American Heritage with your host, Ed Bondarenka. Our goal is to provide a platform for a discussion of pro-life, pro-Christian, and pro-American constitutional principles in the light of current and historical events. America, bless God. Good afternoon and welcome to your American Heritage, where we talk about the two things you're not supposed to, religion and politics. My name's Ed Bondarenka and I'm your host. My pronouns are hey and you. The show is produced by Derek Stone, the hardest working man in radio. He's also the host of Stone Cold Sports, which is on Sundays at noon 30, right after my friend Sean Todd, the rock and rev on the intersection at noon because... Not your normal fluffy Christian show. Yeah, you should listen to that too. I recommend you listen to the broadcasts, podcasts of previous shows if you did not hear them, particularly the one with Arthur or Pastor Arthur, uh, the extended version, the director's cut. Uh, my guest today joined us on the on the last interview that we did with him, and I talked to him recently, and he is out of jail. And um, I hope to have him back to discuss what's going on now. He's waiting for his his uh, lawyer's uh, uh, leading and guidance on what he should do next. But once again, go to Spotify, Google Podcasts, search for Your American Heritage Podcast and subscribe. That way you don't miss any of them and you get all of them. Or find it on Anchor by going to whamradio.com and click on the podcast tab. Share them with your friends. Your friends are counting on you to do it. Your friends need you. You know, Ed, if I thought you were my friend, I just don't think I could bear it. So, welcome to The Resistance. It's day 115 of the coup. Our phone number is 734-822-1600. Please hold off calling. No uh, offers of extended car warranties, please. Joining me today is Pastor Christopher Toma of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Heartland, Michigan. You're probably familiar with him from his uh, uh, public service announcements, announcements that he does on this station, and they, uh, they're always enlightening. And uh, before we get started with Pastor Toma, I kind of want to set the stage here a little bit. Um, I'm thinking about a screenplay, okay? It's a heist movie with an international cast and the goal is to the treasury of the united states of america now i know that was goldfinger and odd job and james bond but imagine if you want to steal a billion dollars and you can't get into fort knox what if you hid that hid that amount a billion dollars in a huge transfer of trillions of dollars who would even notice the billion huh well first you arrange the theft of the election then you have your useful idiots spend trillions on projects that are guaranteed to crash the economy. Hidden in those trillions are the billions that you have redirected to your foreign fronts. Palestinian homosexual study groups, BLM type organizations, different uh, political fronts in different foreign countries that we're supposed to help. Oh, even, even uh, uh, abortion clinics overseas. All the place you're going to funnel the money to. And then... If you do that and you crash the economy, your billions are going to lose value to inflation, just like everybody else's money is going to lose value to the inflation. So how do you win? I mean, how do you protect your investment here? Well, actually, your theft. Well, you do what you've done since you started in finance. 
You trade in currency and metals, speculation, market manipulation. The guy who's doing the heist got his early start in selling out his Jewish neighbors to the Nazis in World War II. And he's gone on. He's almost crashed the Bank of England. This guy knows market manipulation, which this is on a huge degree. And he knows how to trade currencies. And this time, there's no MI5, there's no MI6, there's no CIA to stop you. You've suborned all of them. You've seen to it that its leadership is staffed by idiots mouthing the platitudes you have fostered, who also believe that the whole system must come crashing down. The whole system must come crashing down. What's the end result? The Great Reset. So how's that Build Back Better work out for you, huh? That's the motto of the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum. Google it. So I had some other stuff I wanted to say, but before I say that, or before I mention it, let's get with Pastor Christopher Tone. He's been sitting patiently monologuing. And uh, oh, I got something to play about monologuing. <laughs> you sly dog. You got me monologuing. I can't believe it. Yeah. So. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, welcome. So um, you are the author of Tea with the Moon and, intriguingly enough, 10 Ways to Kill a Pastor, among others. Yeah, many, many others. Oh, <laughs> what's your favorite? Uh, well, I just put out a couple of, um, a two-volume set of uh, weekly readings, uh, and it was endorsed by uh, guys like Charlie Kirk and uh, General Boykin and uh, folks like that. Um, it's called the Cruciform Way, and uh, again, it's a, a weekly, a set of weekly readings that goes throughout the entire year that sheds light on on various topics, you know, various issues um, all year long. So, and it, I intend it to be a there there to be a new volume every year. Um, so, uh, working on volume three right now. I've got a four volume set on whiskey. Believe it or not, I'm a whiskey guy, and um, I've seen. Yeah. So that's uh, that's pretty popular. That's actually uh, pretty popular around the world um, right now. Lots of different uh, whiskey folks enjoy them, and um, even Dinesh D'Souza, you know, he did a nice endorsement. Uh, Theron, he did one too. That was nice of him to write up something for me. So um, good stuff. So have lots of fun. I've written some kids' books. The uh, Tea with the Moon one you mentioned. Another one, the bug on. Uh, there's a bug on the floor. That's a pretty popular one too. And so I, I like to write, as you I can see. see. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. And uh, I like to write too. I just, it's just too much work. So I just talk yeah. instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell folks I sort of have a disease where it feels like if I don't write something every single day, my head will split open and spray the words on the wall. So I'd rather put it on paper than on the wall. Yeah, actually, I do write. I write quite a lot, but I write code. And so, <laughs> okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. I'm written out. So, yeah. But it forces you to think logically, which could actually help once in a while on this show if I could oh, just yeah. use. So um, let's see now. I wanted to talk to you today. Well, let's see now. First off, did you want to talk about an event you have up, have coming up? Uh, yeah, well, I'll be speaking alongside um, Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk and then uh, also Alveda King uh, coming up this fall at an event um, in Heartland. And um, the topic... Um, that we're going to be covering, all four of us will be covering, is the critical race theory issues, um, dissecting those and talking about, talking. A little, I'll go through a lot of the history, where it comes from, um, how it's taken root in the United States. Of course, Charlie and Candace and Alveda, they can all talk uh, 
ad nauseum about all of these things. I'll, but I'll spend some time sort of teeing up the history, and I'll talk about the dangers of critical race theory in, in relation to the church, to the Christian church, how the Christian church cannot, um, by its its teaching with regard to justification, with regard to redemption in Christ, we cannot embrace critical race theory uh, or its fruits, things like Black Lives Matter, you know, things like that. So so uh, it'll be, I think, a really good event. I'm not going to give the link out, um, but if folks want to connect with me on Facebook or something like that, they can, uh, and uh, they'll find that information. Yeah, I'm glad to have seen it. Uh, my wife and I will be going and a couple of friends. We uh, registered this morning. That registration process should should thin out the herd a little bit. That took me I, I think so, yeah. So it'll be a good event. I'm, I'm glad to do it. So, yeah, that's good. So uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about was, and and the uh, you seem to be interested in the body of Christ and the public square. And I am also, and you mentioned critical race theory, and I believe that's a critical component of what's going on with the Great Reset. We've talked about critical race theory on this show a number of times on Moment of Clarity, and it will come up again because this is, this is a fight for the soul of America. That's exactly what it is. But right now, the, there is this fight for America, and there's a theft uh, of America going on right now. We need to combat that theft. This, this great reset, uh, this um, actually, it's, it's going along according to plan right now. Uh, we had a number of, uh, oh, let's see, what do they want to do? to build back better. They want to use the pandemic. They want to use the pandemic. They want to uh, uh, use uh, the totalitarianism of the masks and in, uh, immunization passports and the like, basically to get people to get to a, a mind-numbing, go-along-to-get-along frame of mind where they'll just, they'll just go along. And like our conversation with Pastor Arter, we need to stop going along and, and getting along. We need to, to resist. And one thing we need to do is to figure out how we're going to resist. Um, do you have any comments along those lines, how, how we should resist? Well, how much time are you willing to give me? Because uh, <laughs> we can talk for a little while. I, you know, I, it's funny um, to even use the term um, the Great Reset. When I first started hearing about it, um, it was I was hearing about it in some of the mainstream media avenues as being sort of conspiratorial. You know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't real. You know, uh, I heard that on BBC. I remember the first article I read about it was on the BBC, and um, and then also MSNBC. They're saying it's something that's not real. Um, and then in June of 2020, the World Economic Forum came together. And what was the title uh, of their gathering? But the Great Reset Dialogues, and yeah. they had they had guys like Prince Charles there. You know, they had these these uh, world leaders, or as they call them, the global stakeholders, the folks who actually are the movers and the shakers in everything that's going on in the world. Well, then, interestingly enough, um, later on that fall, not long after a, a conference I had spoken at, uh, I was talking to someone about the Great Reset, and they. 
they said, well, that's conspiratorial. <laughs> I said, well, no, it's not. And I sort of had to direct, direct them back to this. And then I went out again looking for articles. And what did I find? Again, the mainstream media were saying, well, it's not real. It's more, you know, again, saying the same thing. Um, so it was it was rather interesting. And yet there are places that you can go. Um, you can go to the World Economic Forum websites. You can go to uh, reformus.org and places like that. And you can actually find the agenda uh, of these major contributors throughout the world who are who are interested in a, a list of, of particular things that they're trying to do. And so, for example, uh, the dangers, some of the things that they're trying to do here, um, like, the, and these are, these are quotations, I'm, I won't get it right, but these are things that I've read. They wanna manage the direct consequences of the COVID-19 crisis, you know, so what does that mean? Um, they wanna, they, they know the upheaval in our world and what do they wanna do? They wanna re, this is an opportunity for them that they're seizing in order to sort of reshape and retool uh, the world around them. Um, they're very clear in their writings about wanting to depart from traditional contexts. So they wanna, and according to their language, what they wanna do is they wanna remove the inconsistent, the inadequate nature of multiple systems. So they want a singular system. They want uh, a, a, a world order. They want a one world order. Um, now remember the folks who are a part of this, and again, I'm not a conspiracy, a conspiracy guy. I, I just don't, I don't, typically uh, jive with that stuff. Um, but when you have uh, folks coming out publicly, some of these global stakeholders that, as they would call them, guys like George Soros, somebody that you mentioned, somebody like Prince Charles. Oh, oh I never used his name. You just figured it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, no, I know. Well, you had, yeah, you mentioned that you were describing him before, but, but, and so what does this, this singular system look like? Um, and this, this uh, in one sense is where I sort of become a little bit more attuned because what the singular system will manage will be health systems, will be financial systems, and will be the educational systems. And when you break down the educational systems, what are you talking about? You're talking about all of those arms of any particular society that teach pretty much anything, which includes the Christian church, which includes the church. We catechize, we teach, we raise people up in a particular doctrinal system. So. Um, these are the kinds of things that they want to manage, and and they'll tell you flat out uh, in their write-ups. And again, these are the these are the major folks that they are trying to determine the direction of economies. They wanna they wanna dictate the priorities of societies into a singular priority in a singular society. They want to control the nature of business. They want to manage everything that they they call it the. Um, Oh, gosh. Um, they call it the global commons. Uh, anything that is common, uh, of common use to the, to the whole world, they want to be in charge of it. They want to run these things. So ultimately, what are they talking about? You're talking about um, these, these socialists, sort of this Marxist ideas of building these social contracts that uh, are going to just manage everything under this new world order. So, and what I what I found most interesting was is, uh, and this should be familiar to a lot of us in the United States because we're hearing this kind of stuff in the social justice warrior wing of insanity, but it's it's pressing forth for the dignity of every human being. You know that that's kind of code. That's not code word for actually loving or caring for people, but it's it's actually the language of radical individualism, which says that. Um, you can be again. You can be and do and, and and say anything you want without consequence because it's what you are and how you define freedom. Or so, truth. Uh, or truth, yeah. You know, subjective or, truth or, has now become the standard rather than objectively true things. This absolutely meets with the character and the nature of the Christian Church throughout the world. Uh, and how is that the case? There, you said theft before. 
um, they're stealing. Well, I would argue that they're stealing, that they managed to do this because they steal the identities of individual groups of people. Um, they and, and by uh, combining them all into a singular one and erasing uh, everything else. Uh, and I can talk more about that if. Uh, That's um, a good point. I, it's a shame you can't be on the whole hour. We would talk about more like that. I'll give so, you as much time as I can before I got to rush out of here. Okay. So yeah, as far as it being a con, you know this being a conspiracy theory, I was looking this up, and here's an article on the Hill, and there was a panel that John Kerry was on, right? And. Uh, it, are we expecting too soon, too much too soon from the new president, or is he going to deliver the first day on this topics? It's, that's a, that's the way it read. Kerry responded, "The answer to your question is no. You're not expecting too much, and yes, it the Great Reset will happen, and I think it will happen with greater speed and with greater intensity than a lot of people might imagine. In effect, the citizens of the United States have just done a Great Reset. We've done a Great Reset." Kerry later argued that the Great Reset is necessary to slow the climate crisis and that, quote, I know Joe Biden believes it's not enough to just rejoin Paris for the United States. It's not enough for us to just do the minimum of what Paris requires. We're at the dawn of an extremely exciting time and the greatest opportunity we have dealing with the climate crisis, among other things. You know, in other words, yes, there is a great reset. This is not a fairy tale. This is not Alex Jones stuff. Right, Alex right. Jones gets it right frequently enough. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to see the conspiracy when they lay it out in front of you, right? Well, they're very they're very bold about it now. Again, this and, and with the new administration, there's there's no reason to hide it. Um, they are fully on board with all of these things. So now these these. Uh, what we might consider these foreign enemies uh, are the United States is embracing them and getting in bed with them. Um, so because they are all of that mindset. And and again, this is something that if uh, uh, folks in the Christian church, I don't think would find all that surprising. While they might be slow to, slower to respond, they wouldn't find all that surprising because we've seen this happen in various forms throughout the history of the Christian church itself in every single nation, how we've had to uh, it be embattled against various challenges like this. Um, so we've seen it come and go, uh, the, the types of things that these um, these stakeholders will use in order to get the church to comply, in order to erase what it is so that it can be like they are and actually serve their purpose. And what you see happening again in history is a lot of times the church just simply goes underground. It exists in the shadows but it maintains itself and it does it in particular ways um, that that uh, I think she's still capable of doing. When I say she, I mean the church, the bride of Christ. She is capable of doing, but we need a lot of teaching. We need a lot of work from the pastors to help with this. One of the things I, I strongly believe is that the church itself, and I, I try to encourage people to, obviously I want them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Then they'll have on the full armor of God. I mean, that's that's a Christian thing, folks. If you're not a Christian, you should be understanding what we're talking about here. You know, it's just part of being educated. You don't, I'm not putting a gun to your head. It's not a theocracy. You don't have to believe it, but you should understand and you should know it's there. And I firmly believe that right now, the bad guys see the church not the mainstream evangelical churches that with the rainbow banners and the science is real and science is real, but they don't they don't believe in science. But those billboards in front of their church and the we accept everybody, you know, it's yeah, we can be accepted, but we don't accept your practices. That's sin. So the the real Christian church that believes in the, the, the tenets of the Bible, that is the 
greatest resistance that there is to this great reset. That's why they they come down so hard on Christian churches like Pastor Arters in Canada. That's why, you know, why would Gretchen Whitmer want to shut down churches and leave pot shops open, right? Or abortion clinics open. No, there's a there's a spiritual component to this battle. And it doesn't take a conspiracy theorist to see that there's a that we're battling against wickedness in high places here. And that's a spiritual battle also. Well, one of the one of the chief characteristics, I think, uh, of the churches that are armed and capable of surviving these storms and have proven this to be the case throughout history, Nazi Germany being one of them, um, are the churches that hold to tradition, the churches that hold to what I would consider to be the common language of the Christian church throughout the ages. Um, so uh, at Our Savior, um, where I am, we, we consider ourselves confessional, traditional Lutherans. In other words, we subscribe to the historic rites and ceremonies of the church, again, that go, that go all the way back. Um, and why, why is that an important thing? Because when we see, we see the destruction of individual character of societies, when we see the disregarding or the jettisoning of the things that those societies hold as tradition, um, that actually make them unique, make them distinct from the world around us. So uh, a, an example of this would be, uh, and, and I, this is, you know, it's probably going to offend some folks out there, but I would say you're starting down the road of being completely and totally irrelevant to the gospel itself when you and your church begin to look like the world around you. So if your church is beginning to look like a rock concert, if, you're, if your pastor is beginning to look like a TED Talk, person. If your, <laughs> if your church is getting rid of anything that is Christological in nature, even in its symbolism, when it's beginning to get rid of all of the things that would make it distinct enough that when someone from the world outside walks in and says, this is a completely different sphere of existence, when you lose that edge, what you've, you have essentially begun down the road of being embraced by the world or in turn embracing the world. And uh, I would argue, too, um, that the telltale clue in the church, again, is not only its, its architecture, its design, and maybe its worship, but when the church begins to jettison the traditional creeds, uh, when the statements of conviction of what a congregation, what a church believes, is jettisoned, the end of the church's usefulness is on the very near horizon. Because if you, st if you don't stand for anything, if you can't define who you are, uh, as we would say we do with our Constitution, as we would say we do with our Declaration of Independence, as we would say we do with our National Anthem, as we would say we would do with all of the, the traditions that we have in the United States. If the church cannot do that itself, cannot provide the contours of what it believes, teaches, and confesses, you stand for nothing. You stand, you stand to become a congregation that's wishy-washy enough to become everything you just described before, those mainstream congregations that just want to... Uh, be anything and everything to everyone. So Christianity has boundaries. It's distinct from the world. Uh, and when it remains that way, it, it remains strong in the face of these challenges. Yeah, you remind me of, uh, of Israel, uh, which had certain customs and clothing dictated by God. And we have like about a minute left here, maybe 60 seconds. I think that's a minute. And, uh, you know, they were seen as separate from the world. 
because of their the traditions. Tradition, yeah, well, they weren't bad traditions. Unfortunately, they got locked in their traditions and refused to see right. what God was doing with them. I'm not accusing a liturgical church of doing that, Not certainly not your church, but I, you've helped explain to me uh, and uh, you know the basis for a liturgical church and uh, one that follows these, these rites and, and practices. So we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, are you gonna stay over? Um, I'll, I can stay over for about another five minutes. How about that? Well, then let's let's have you on another time. Okay, then, okay? I'll be on another time. Then. Folks, Pastor Christopher Toma, our Savior Lutheran Church in Heartland. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ed. Blessings in the day. afternoon and welcome back to this edition of Your American Heretic. That being a nod to Joe Lennard and my <laughs> next guest, <laughs> Pastor Richard Datering of Moment of Clarity. Uh, I thought it would only be fair to have him on my show once in a while since he has me on his so often, which I'm appreciative. And besides, he's a good conversationalist, has some good stories, and a good point of view also. And we're going to continue this discussion of the uh, the Great Reset and some of what's been going on with Pastor Rick. And uh, we're willing to take calls as long as they're on topic, 734-822-1600, which is not my cell number. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, one thing I wanted to point out here before before I ask Rick to comment is uh, I put on Facebook something that I thought of, uh, how's that build back better working out for you? And man, did that take off. And a lot of people are, that's resonating with people, a lot of, a lot of reposts of that. And the, I believe that the Build Back Better, which is the motto of the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum, you know, and it's funny that it's the political slogan of the Biden campaign. Um, could the Biden presidency be as harmful as it is by accident? Can anybody be that stupid? And before you say yes, before you say yes, let's look at what he did. First day in, shuts down the XL pipeline, over 11,000 jobs gone, as if Thanos himself had snapped his fingers. Not only the XL pipeline, line five, the Democrats, well, no, it's, that's not a Biden thing, but this is the Democrats want to take down line five, right? And then, of course, the line five is what transports energy across the Mackinac Straits, and the new line five will be buried underground you know, in a concrete tunnel, totally drag line free, and they're trying to stop this. And then the colonial pipeline shut down. They had little to no response to that. In fact, here's Ann Neuberger, on the, an administration official on the colonial pipeline shutdown and, and the federal response. 
So first, we recognize that victims of cyber attacks often face a very difficult situation. And they have to just balance often the cost benefit when they have no choice with regard to paying a ransom. Colonial is a private company and will defer um, information regarding their decision on paying a ransom to them. Did you, would the administration offer any advice on whether or not to pay a ransom? So typically that is a private sector decision. and. Yeah, enough of that. So basically, you're on your own. All these people with gas, out, you know, the long gas lines, the days without gasoline, transportation issues, becomes a health issue when ambulances can't get around. And the government, uh, your federal government, headed by the Biden administration, says, hey, you're on your own. So you kill energy production. How can a nation be energetic without energy? Southern border, we all know how that's working so well. Trillions proposed spending on free everything, masses infrastructure. We talked about in the first half hour. You know, that's just a, a way to, you know, pay back certain market manipulators. A part of the Great Reset is it's it's actually a huge ripoff, and people are going to profit from it. People like Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm. Is that name ring a bell? Who owns up to five million dollars in an electric battery company called Proterra that the Biden administration is promoting right now? Yes, yeah, nice to have high friends in high places, high employment. High demand for workers. How does that work at the same time? Well, that equals basic universal income, which is a tenet of the Great Reset. We will pay you to stay home. Let those other idiots work or not. Prices skyrocketing, supply chain disruptions. Nobody can plan for the future because nobody. Can, there's no trend you can follow. You don't know what they're going to do next. And an attack on Christian values on steroids, which includes the woke culture, critical race theory, creating a racial backlash, setting us up for civil unrest. I mean, critical race theory is, is promoting racial tension in this country. Whites who have come to view blacks as their brothers in church, their neighbors, are now being told they're to be subservient to this other race. Well, how do you think they're going to feel about that? That doesn't work out so well. And, you know, you run into people who well, the question is, what are we going to do? Can we stand to wait till midterm elections? Can we stand to wait till the next election? Because the last election worked out so well for us. And yet, you know, nobody's advocating taking up arms. What are we supposed to do in the face of the Great Reset? Hi, Rick. You got any comments? Oh, yeah. Um, first of all, I want to thank you. I, I normally get a lot of complaints and emails and stuff because uh, you and I tease back and forth. So I'm glad you do that for me now. So <laughs> I don't even have to, <laughs> have to do it. A um, lot, lot to be said about what, what you just stated. First of all, if you look, take a look at line five, that big shutdown that uh, our governor is trying to prevent from happening. Right now, the pipeline is running in the water and it's not protected. And if they didn't do what they want, we're actually in a worse situation than we would be if they went through and did it properly the way they want to do it. So actually, we have uh, Whitmer who's actually trying to cause a catastrophic oil leak in our Great Lakes. Just want to throw that out there. Uh, oh, I, it, would, it would serve their purposes, right? Yes, it would. It absolutely would. Um, I also want to make a point is... The Great Reset is also getting away from, away from uh, stockholder um, mentality of businesses where they want everyone, they want the businesses to, I think they call it stakeholder now, uh, mm -hmm. where uh, that 
the company has to serve the social agenda more than it has to make, let's say, Coca-Cola. All right. So instead of making Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola gets in and says, no, we'll get into this political mess. And and that will be our business now is to get into this political mess rather than making a beverage. And we're seeing more and more of these woke companies. I'm doing the air quotes here. These woke companies, that's all part of this whole great reset mentality because they know if they don't do it, the governments will shut them down because if they're not moving the social agenda, they don't serve a purpose. Yeah, exactly. In fact, in this uh, uh, World Economic Forum uh, webpage that I was reading, actually reading months ago, and I'm just looking at it again today because it's it's a good reference point. They spell out everything they want to do. They say business will need to work with a wide range of partners to ensure that all risks, financial, environmental, and social, are properly understood priced and wherever possible mitigated increasingly comprehensive and integrated risk assessments will be essential for companies to fulfill their fiduciary obligations and maintain their ready maintain their social license to operate right yeah the blessing of the government so that you can operate your business sounds kind of like nazi germany to me it sounds exactly like, like Nazi Germany. If your if your business is not moving along the social agenda of of the world, um, then the world's going to shut you down. It doesn't matter how how well you make your your thingamajig. If you're in the business of making thingamajigs, you can make the world's greatest thingamajig. But if you're not getting out into the social battle in front of that, then it doesn't matter how good your thingamajig is. You're shut down. It's no longer a free market situation. The free market is bad in the Great Reset. It has nothing to do with quality. It has to do with mentality on on how you look at the social situation in the world today. It has to do with power and control. Yeah. I mean, these people. And, you know, that's a two-edged sword there because power usually comes with money. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the money isn't the isn't the issue. You just want the raw power. And yet there are other people who want the money because it gives them power. And uh, they, they just want to run in the background. They don't want the notoriety of having power, but they have it. And I'm thinking of the 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 George Soros's of the world. You know, sit in the background, make your millions, manipulate. Like I think of Professor Moriarty from Sherlock Holmes whenever I think of... George Soros, you know, he taught uh, Holmes speaks of him as, you know, the guy, the mastermind, that evil mastermind that weaves his web. He's uh, at the center of every evil in the city of London. You know, it's like, yeah. Give you an example of this. And I was I was actually thinking about this this morning. So um, we all know and I, I'm going to ruffle some feathers. I, I just know I am because I'm going to disparage this name of Nelson Mandela. Um you know, the African apartheid came out, this great, great leader of South Africa, Nelson Mandela. He was asked once about uh, the human rights issues uh, under Gaddafi, under Castro, under a number, un, under uh, uh, the PLO. And his answer is, he didn't, as long as they supported him and his social push, he was all for him, regardless how, however, they, they, how brutal they were in their own countries. They had no bearing to him. 
because they helped his social agenda, they were good. All right. Mm -hmm. And this is the, the social attitude. As long as you're willing to push my agenda, my social agenda, it doesn't matter how evil you are. It doesn't matter how nefarious you are. It doesn't matter if you're Moriarty. As long as you're helping me push my agenda, you're good. So, uh, yeah. And that's so, that's that's a socialist mindset. And of course, we know Mandela was sponsored by by socialist money. Yeah, and it's a moral relativism, right? It's it's yes. the whole ethos of moral relativism as opposed to having a set of standards such as is uh, in scripture, 10 commandments for an example, of thou shalt not, thou shalt not, that shalt not, or a constitution that says thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. So um well, folks, you know, if, if you don't want to hear us blather on so much, then you've got a call, and it's 734-822-1600. Oh, look, we have a call. It's Tom from Detroit. That was quick. Hey, Tom, welcome aboard. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, you know, you made the comment about, you know, no more free markets, and, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, I okay. We really don't never, I mean, we don't have free markets. We haven't had them for a long time. And I think, you know, there's a legal maxim that says, you know, if you're, you're, you're off the path, if you're in the wrong place, you have to go back to the place where you went off the path, you know, to, to fix it. Um, and, you know, to my mind, the unconstitutional income tax is the biggie. You know, and, and uh, there's a case, famous case called Pollock versus Farmers Loan and Trust. It was in 1895. They uh, heard it twice. It's in the uh, Supreme Court reports twice because they, they had to hear it twice because they overturned a federal law uh, and they needed a full bench. Uh, it, at any rate, they, you know, they, they said in that case, there's uh, the Constitution recognizes two great classes of direct and indirect taxes and lays down two rules by which their imposition must be governed, uh, namely the rule of apportionment as to direct taxes and the rule of uniformity as to duties, imposed and excises. Okay. Tom? So, so the Tom, question... Let's get so, yeah, let's, I'm getting let's to the get point. So deep in the woods. Am I breaking up? No, no, I'm just saying that when we both talk, it sounds like that, too. And and that's getting so deep in the woods that that's not a path well, I want to go it's down. It's going to get you real simple in, in a minute, if you give me a minute. Okay. Now, when you talk about the 16th Amendment, tax on income, okay, would you agree that a direct tax that did not have to be apportioned would be a new class of taxation? You know, it's yes or no, but... Uh, I don't know. I really, frankly, I'm not well, cognizant. You know, of and this is a, this is a problem I'm having because there, you know, this when the court said that the uh, 16th Amendment didn't create any new taxing powers for the you know United States government, uh, and you know, there's only two powers in there that they have. They're all in Article One. But then, you know, if I get in front of a jury and they don't have the foggiest notion of the difference between a direct and an indirect tax. And the whole bottom line is, is we have this IRS monster on the backs of the individual. You know, the big corporations, they have their lobbyists. We don't. We're, you know, and we're like the little ants. You know, if we fail in business, 
We have to go make it up, but we figure out a way, you know, and, uh, but no, that, that isn't any good for the big, uh, corporations. They don't want the competition. So, you know, basically we have end up being bookkeepers for free for the federal government. And, I gotcha. uh, you know, I mean, things would, <laughs> I mean, all I'm telling you is I'll debate anybody the 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 in- income tax way they're doing it now is okay. unconstitutional, but I mean I, I wouldn't say don't pay. We got it another call, by the way. It'll cost just, you probably so, if you if you don't pay. Well, but, if you were talking and and if you want to talk about government regulation of business, I'm thinking in terms of of the FAA, the FDA, the meatpacking industry. I mean, there's some good stuff, there's some bad stuff, but the IRS is definitely bad stuff, and we need we need yeah, to do something. You know, can, other, can I just? Other, uh, those other things, uh, things that you were talking about, if, you know, some of their jurisdiction over the uh, private individual is uh, that's questionable too. That's a lot of that is state matters, and I mean nobody. I mean you're always saying like abortion, that's a state issue, you know, and I'd have to say the same with all these FDA's and things like that. Okay, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much, and uh, we're going to go to Joe from Wyandotte. Before you do. Yes, well, we'll wait uh, for Jeff, but he's here. Hi, yeah. Joe. Let Rick speak. Hey, Joe, just uh, just to comment on that is uh, the 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 IRS and the overreach of the IRS and everything else. This has been a problem for a long time. Everyone knows I am a, a huge proponent of the of the fair tax, not a flat tax, but a fair tax. Uh, the overreach of government has been getting worse and worse and worse. But that's not actually where where the bigger problem lies here. The bigger problem lies is that we are we are totally giving over any sovereignty we have as a nation to the UN and through the World Economic Forum. We're we're just giving up. We we are surrendering the war without even going to battle here. Uh, we have the world jumping in and saying, "Hey, we want you to do business and run your economy the way we tell you to." to better promote what we think will bring in this man-made euphoria. And uh, so, I mean, we we got bigger. I hate to say this. As much as I hate the IRS, we have a bigger fish to fry at this moment. And because until we get back sovereignty in this state, we'll, we'll never see a fair tax. You yeah, know? Exactly. exactly. Good point. Really good. Amazing. Really good point. Folks, that's Pastor Rick Datering. Amazing. So <laughs> let's talk to Joe from Wyandotte. Hey, guys, uh, you mentioned universal income, and that's why the left is so high on this bonus unemployment amounts. They want to continue to get more and more and more lazy people who refuse to go back to the jobs that are there. You can see the help wanted signs virtually every hundred feet uh, to get used to that and, and try to rain, uh, bring that in. And unfortunately, our rhinos in Lansing, brilliant answer is yet another big government throw money at a problem solution. They now are talking about a $1,000 back-to-work bonus. No. And all the unemployment garbage, period. The jobs are there. Go get them or rot in your parents' basement. I don't care which, but I'm tired of you getting my money for you to do so. 
So yeah. can I just respond on, on a little bit? It goes beyond just the, the continued wealth or uh, unemployment. Right now, you have a large part of the Democrat Party that wants to push continued stimulus checks to everyone. That's even closer to the universal uh, wages where everyone is going to get every month, get some sort of check from the government just for being in this country during a pandemic. And that's what they want to do. If you take a look at the, the trillion over, over trillion dollar package that Biden puts forth, that also includes this, this paycheck to everyone. You want to talk about buying votes? How do you stop yep. something like that? Once everyone gets used to getting that, you know, thousand dollars a month from the government, how do you get I them off that? Off that sort uh, of talk about the monthly stipend, but I have seen plenty of stories and heard Biden directly say he's talking about another two thousand dollar stimulus check. So one way or the other, it's the same thing. You're exactly right. It's it's again continuing to try to buy votes. Just like Gavin Newsom now out in California facing a recall is emptying the California Treasury uh for a California stimulus package to try to buy people to not recall him. What do you think of what do you think of my preposition from earlier when I was describing this as as a heist movie? That basically all these trillions of dollars that are being spent are a mask, a cover for the real theft of billions that are in the background. So you could steal three trillion dollars, but you could steal maybe a hundred million, maybe a billion. Oh, by the way, do you know what a billion? A billion uh, divided by a million is, that's a thousand. Did you know that we gave Pfizer a billion dollars for a million shots of what they call the Vax last year? That's a thousand dollars per injection, but it's free. You get it for free if you go down to your down to your uh, drugstore. I mean, what if they were handing out thousand dollar bills instead? I will take Nothing care, is free, and it's not government-funded, it's taxpayer-funded. Remember that, folks. Oh, wow, we got two minutes left. This is, that can't be right. That can't be right. I got something popped up. We got Walter on the phone. Walter, make it quick, my brother. Oh, yeah, I just want to make it quick, and I will. Let's, you talk about those jobs that's there and that people need to go back to because they prefer to be lazy bombs on the bite. Let's, let's stress to people. And I've said it on the radio station before. I said those jobs are the Trump-created jobs. And that dried-up corpse Joe Biden's trying to take credit about those jobs. Let's, let's remind people those were not under Biden. Those are jobs that people can go back to under Trump's administration. I'm out of here. Good point. Thanks for chiming in. I appreciate it. And for being brief, that's amazing. Rick, we have roughly 50 seconds left. I was right. It was two minutes. Right. I, I just want to say, listen in to uh, Moment of Clarity. Ed and, and Phil will be joining me. We're going to be talking mostly about what's going on in Israel today and how how the left is dealing with it. Boy, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I read a pretty interesting piece of news this morning about a certain airstrike that I, I thought, wow, how apropos. Wouldn't that be nice if we could get away with that here? There are some misconceptions, but we'll talk about that on Moment of Clarity, folks. Um, let's see. It's uh, 156.59. We have the music out in about one minute. So it's 
It's been an interesting show. It's been better than I thought it would because I got woken up a couple times in the middle of the night by work and I'm running on lots of coffee. And uh, so I fortunately I had good guests. First we had Pastor Toma and then we had Pastor Dietering come on and, and they kept some clarity of, uh, of thought here and I appreciate it. So um, folks, thank you for joining us. Rick, any closing closing thoughts before we go? Hey, if you like Ed's show and you want your business mentioned on it, hey, contact the marketing department at Wham and tell them you want your business mentioned on his show. Yeah, that's a wonderful idea and an excellent idea. Folks, support the advertisers on this station because they were they would pay the bills, they would pay they own salary, and they own keeps us running here, and they pay Derek's salary too, which is very important. Derek, thank you for your work today, folks. Thank you for joining us. God bless you.